Welcome to the River Life Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you will encounter Jesus and allow His words to wash you anew. May He reveal more of who He is to your heart. Here's the message for this week. Good morning, River Life Church. Um, we can have a show of hands. Um, how many of you um, can feel an increased sense of the Holy Spirit and God's presence in our midst the past few months? Can I have a show of hands? Um, I know different, and, and yeah, you don't, there's no points given out if you raise your hands or, or you don't raise your hands. Um, I know different, us, different ones of us are at different places at this point of time, and it's a journey. Um, I truly believe that um, the river of God is flowing in our lives, and um, it will take time. Don't force yourself into it. Um, all I want to encourage you is to open your heart uh, to what God can do, uh, and um, your perception of what your faith is over many, many years, be open to what God can do in a new way. Uh, be open to the new thing that God can do. Um, do hold on to tradition um, as if it's, your, your faith is stuck that way. So that's my encouragement to you. Um, another encouragement I have for you is we had um, the Baptism of the Holy Spirit seminar a few weeks ago. How many of you were there? Yeah? Um, it was a very, very powerful teaching for me. I think it provided a lot of language and clarity uh, as to what it means to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So I believe the YouTube link is available online and I really want to encourage you uh, to listen to the teaching if you have not done so. So we are in the midst of a new sermon series called In Step with the Spirit and the title of my sermon today is Hosting the Presence of God from synagogue to temple. Now, I've divided the sermon into two halves. Okay, so in the first half, I would like to unpack how God has been preparing His people since the beginning to be a temple. All right? From Genesis to Revelations, you will see that. Having established that in the first half, in the second half, we will explore how we can host the presence of God in our lives. Shall we commit this time to God in prayer? God, we acknowledge your presence in our midst right now. So often we can come to a service like that. The worship team leads us in worship. The speaker speaks to us. But in the midst of all of that, we ignore you and we don't acknowledge your presence. And so, God, we honour your presence in this place. You are the most important person in this century. Lord, turn our hearts towards you. We're not here to hear me speak, Lord, but we are here to listen to you and to encounter you. We have come into the temple of God. Not so much a church service, even though that facilitates that. But we are in your presence this day. Whether we feel it or not, that is the truth and that's the reality. And so God, I pray that you will lead us into your presence. Yeah, we pray this in Christ's most precious name. Amen. Amen. So the first part, we are the temple of God. You know, ever since sin entered the world, a man was separated from God and the Bible has been the story of God desiring to dwell with man once again. Now, allow me to go through an overview of Scripture as we attempt to trace out this theme of God wanting to establish 
His temple and His presence here on earth. Okay, when God called Abraham in Genesis 12, He purposed to raise a people for Himself through Abraham's family. Now, they eventually grew to become a huge nation which threatened the Egyptians. Now, this led to the Exodus. You will notice in Exodus chapter 7 to 11, every time Moses spoke to Pharaoh and issued the command to let my people go, it was always for the purpose of worship. Exodus 8 verse 1 says, This is what the Lord says, Let my people go so that they may worship me. Now this same commandment was given multiple times. After they came out of Egypt, God spoke through Moses once again. Before um, they received uh, the Ten Commandments, God spoke through Moses once again, telling the Israelites the purpose of their existence. Right? I let my people go that they might worship me. Now, once again, God is speaking through Moses, telling the Israelites the purpose of their existence and what God wanted to establish through them. Exodus 19, verse 5 to six. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possessions. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The reason why God raised up the nation of Israel was so that he can have a kingdom of priests and a people set apart for this purpose. Now, in the remainder of Exodus, God will give detailed instructions for the construction of the tabernacle and how the priesthood is to be established. The entire book of Exodus is essentially about this one thing, that God can have a people and a place on earth where He can dwell once again. This is the overarching theme of this book. Now, the tabernacle is the physical place and the priesthood is to keep the tabernacle, this physical place, clean. As we climax into chapter 40, when all the materials, tools and priestly garments were ready, exactly according to the instructions that God has given, God gave the command for Moses to finally set up the tabernacle. We read in Exodus 40, Verse 1 to 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, on the first day of the first month. Place the ark of the covenant law in it and show the ark with the curtain. Bring in the table and set up what belongs on it. Then bring in the lampstand and set up its lamp. And then for the next 30 verses, more instructions on how to set up the tabernacle. As we reach verse 33, then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and altar and put up the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. And so Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. God established the nation of Israel so that His presence, His manifested glorious presence 
can once again dwell amongst men. The entire book of Leviticus was dedicated to the preservation of the temple and Israel's holiness so that God's holy presence can dwell among them. This is a central purpose of the Israelites so that God can dwell among men. After Moses, the next key character in the Old Testament is King David. Now, David didn't become king easily, right? His life was threatened many times, and during the years of trials and testings, he never lost his integrity, and he did not try to manipulate himself into kingship. In 2 Samuel chapter 6 and 7, when he finally established himself as king over Israel, after um, King Saul was disposed and he died, and after the defeat of Israel's chief enemy, the Philistines. The first thing that David did was not to build himself a nice palace or grow the nation's wealth. The first thing that David did was to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into Israel. David understood that the central purpose of God's people, of the Israelites, was to host the presence of God. They are a people set apart to be a dwelling place for God. The nation of Israel will have no meaning if God is not in their midst, if God is not with them. This is David's prayer in Psalms 132 verses 3 to 5. I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will allow my eyes, my, no sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. This was probably David's prayer in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 2, when he says, Here I am, living in a house of Siddur, while the ark of God remains in a tent. David understood that the one thing that sets Israel apart from all other nations is the presence of the living God among them. Without the presence of God, they will be no different from the surrounding nations. This echoes Moses' cry in Exodus 33 verse 15 to 16. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else would distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? River Life Church, if the presence of God, if the Spirit of God is not with us, if today in this century, God's presence is not here, then have we also missed the point? Could it be possible that we sing about Him, but He is not in our midst? Could it be possible that we talk about Him, preach about Him, but we do not host Him or have value for His presence? Are we a people of His presence? Or do we continue on with life and with church without hosting the presence of God? David's desire and passion eventually led to the construction of the temple in Jerusalem, which was completed by his son Solomon. 
This was also the first thing that Solomon did after he became king. And when the temple was finally completed in 1 Kings chapter 8, we read in verses 8 to 11, oh, sorry, 10 to 11, when the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. What happened in 1 Kings chapter 8 was the high point of Israel's history. Of Israel's history. God's presence finally has a resting place here on earth, which was his desire since he caught Israel out of Egypt, right? Let my people go that they might worship me. I give you all this instruction to set up the tabernacle. Then the presence of God came. Now finally, God has a resting place and God has a people who will host his presence and worship him in his sanctuary. Church, this calling that is on Israel is also our calling. The reason I'm taking out to trace out the history of Israel is to show us that the temple and the presence of God that rests on the temple is a central calling on the nation of Israel. They are to be a people set apart to host the presence of God. And by extension, because we are the people of God right now, we are also a people set apart to host the presence of God. After the temple, the temple was destroyed and the Israelites exiled from the land because of their idolatry and disobedience. The temple was destroyed already. God began to hint at what the new temple would be. Through the words of the prophets Ezekiel and Isaiah, we are, taught, we are told that God's spirit will no longer rest in a physical building but God will now dwell in human, in the hearts of men. Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Isaiah 44, verse 3. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. This is now being fulfilled amongst us. The presence of God now rests on each and every one of us. Individually, we carry the presence of God in our lives. Every one of us now is the temple of God. This reality is being attested to in the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22, Paul is here speaking to the Gentiles, who's you and I. He's not speaking to the Jews, he's speaking to the Gentiles. Verse 19, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. Remember, he's speaking to the Gentiles, right? That's why he has to remind them that you're not foreigners and strangers in the people of God, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles, and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together 
to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. River Life Church, we are now the temple of God. And this temple is built on Jesus Christ, who is the chief cornerstone. Its foundation is what God has done through the person of Christ as witnessed by the apostles and prophets. And in Jesus Christ, we are all built up to become a holy temple. And now God's presence dwells amongst us by His Spirit. Church, until we understand and have the revelation that individually and corporately, we are the temple of God, hosting the presence of God would not make sense. Hosting the presence of God is not a charismatic thing. Hosting the presence of God is a biblical thing. I just spent the past 15 minutes outlining how God has sought to build a dwelling place amongst men since we were removed from His presence. God longs to be with us, dwell with us, manifest His presence to us. Why then would we ignore Him or focus our attention and gaze on other things, busying ourselves with everything else in church except to orientate our hearts to the most important person in this century who is God? Are we here to meet the speaker or the worship team or are we here to meet with God? Are we here to worship God? He is the most important person in this place and it is our privilege to host His presence. God, I pray you will teach us to not treat your presence with a sense of nonchalantness Every Sunday, as the saints gather together, it is a sacred moment because the King of Kings is in our midst. Teach our hearts to revere you, God. Give us the revelation that we are the temple of God, that your presence now dwells amongst us and that we give value to that. We learn to host you. We learn to honour you. We learn to revere you. You know, two years ago, just before COVID broke out, the worship ministry was having a songwriting retreat. And uh, during a time of worship, we were led to meditate on Psalms 132. Now, as we were worshipping God and meditating on the words of Scripture, God spoke very clearly and powerfully to me. He asked me, is River Life Church a temple or is River Life Church a synagogue? Is my life a temple or is my life a synagogue? You know, I remember the moment God broke me. Those who were at the songwriting retreat with me would know I was weeping. Have I treated my faith more as a synagogue than as a temple? You see, synagogues were set up after the temple was destroyed. Um, after the temple was destroyed during the Babylonian invasion, because the Jews no longer have a place to practice their devotion, there was no longer any temple. Until the second temple that was built by um, King Harold, uh, but by then the diaspora has already happened and they were already dispersed to many, many, many of the, the, yeah, the, the other pagan nations. Because the Jews don't have a place to practice worship, synagogues were built so that um, the Jews can come together to hear God's word. Synagogues became a place 
where the word of God was upheld. Now, synagogues are not a bad place. We get to learn God's word in synagogues. We need to be diligent students of God's word. But do we see River Life Church as just a synagogue? When God looks at River Life Church, when God looks at your life, will He also find a temple? We are meant to be a people where the manifested presence of God dwells. You know, the Mosaic Tabernacle and the Divinic Temple were prototypes that point forward to this reality that the church is a temple. The question is whether we have postured ourselves to host the presence of God. Do we see ourselves as the temple of God? The reason God wants to dwell with us since sin separated us in Genesis 3. The reason God wants to dwell with us, and that's been happening since Genesis 3 and will come to completion in Genesis 22. The reason God wants to dwell with us is because He longs to draw close to us. Church, it comes back to relationship. God desiring a relationship with us and hopefully us desiring a relationship with God. And if we are in a relationship with God, the natural outcome is to desire to be in His presence. In hosting the presence of God, we are not going after a sensation. We are not chasing after an atmosphere. We are longing for a person. Hosting the presence of God is relational. We are hosting our Abba Father. In His presence, we experience His unconditional love, His comfort and His peace. In His presence is where we receive our identity, our identity as children of God, as people who do not need to earn His approval because He already fully approves of us. We receive that identity. We receive our identity as citizens of heaven, people who are just pilgrims on this earth. In His presence, we receive the fullness of His joy. In His presence is where we can finally and truly find the love that we have been yearning for. We are hosting the Creator of the universe, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In His presence, we encounter His majesty, His glory and His infinite worth. In His presence, we are compelled to bow down and worship Him, to hail Him as King. In His presence, we recognize His sovereignty and we realize once again that we are not in control. We are hosting the one who would come back to return to judge the living and the dead. In His presence is the fear of the Lord. In His presence, there is a demand for consecration and holiness. In His presence, our sin and idolatry are confronted. In His presence is where we are transformed to become more like Him. River Life Church, this is the destiny of God's people. This is our destiny. You know, in Revelations 21 and 22, the Apostle John describes a day when the whole world, 
the whole world will become the temple of God. At the end of history, the new heaven will come down, Jerusalem will come down, and the whole earth will become God's temple. Ezekiel 47, which is our church vision for this season, actually parallels Revelation 21 and 22. You go and read Ezekiel 47, verse 9 to 13, and you go and read Revelations 21, the last few verses, and Revelations 22. You will find that it parallels. And Ezekiel 47 is actually a vision of what God's people should be. Ezekiel 47 calls us to embrace our identity as the temple of God. If this identity is not restored and embraced in the church today, then the river of life cannot flow out from us. The presence of God is the source of life in the temple and in the church. Without the, God, without the presence of God, we are a dry religious institution telling people what they should be when they don't want to be dead. But in God's presence, hardened hearts are turned towards Jesus and the hurt and broken find healing and restoration. Ezekiel 47 beckons us to host the presence of God. If we do not host the presence of God, how would people know and encounter the King of Kings? You know, eloquent speech and intellectual articulation will not be enough. People need to encounter God. If we do not host the presence of God, how would new believers experience the unconditional love of God? You see, we host the presence of God so that the world and those in this century can know who our God is. River Life Church, will we embrace our privilege of hosting God's presence? We are the temple of God. And it's our honour to host him in this century. We now move on to the second half of this message. We ask ourselves the question, how then do we host the presence of God? Number one, we are the priesthood. And therefore, we host the presence of God by worshipping him, by ministering to him, and by serving him. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. You also like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Under the Old Covenant, only the tribe of Levi uh, was to serve as a priesthood, maintaining the temple and offering sacrifices that were pleasing to God. Now, under the New Covenant, everyone is caught into the priesthood of God. Now, we must get this clear. The priesthood does not belong to the worship ministry. The priesthood belongs to everyone. Everyone is a priest. Can you turn to your neighbour and say, you belong to the priesthood of God? Now, you might not feel like a priest because you don't put on a robe or you don't sacrifice a bull. But once you embrace your identity as a priest, uh, it will change the orientation of your heart towards a life of worship unto God. Worship starts with beholding God. Yeah, that's kind of like in our church mission statement. Worship starts with beholding God. Psalms 27 verse 4 says that 
David desired to behold the beauty of the Lord. David postured his heart towards beholding God. Now, there's a cyclical, dy- there's a cyclical dynamic between beholding God and worship. Okay, let me try to explain. As we behold God, as we um, behold His worth, as we look into His Word and we see His loveliness, and as we invite His presence, as we do that, our awareness of His worth and loveliness will increase. Because we are people created to respond to worth, beholding a worthy God will lead us to worship Him. Right? We are people created to respond to worth. So if we behold a worthy God, if we behold a merciful and gracious God, that will lead us to worship Him. And as we worship God, God will show Himself even more to us and the sense of His presence and worth would increase. When that happens, because we are created to respond to worth, our level of response will elevate. And this cyclical dynamic of beholding and worship repeats with each cycle bringing us deeper into His presence and the revelation of God becoming stronger each time. This is why the elders and the angels can say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Because they're constantly beholding a holy God and that leads them to respond in worship. The same dynamic happens for us. And this happened both in a corporate setting like that and in your individual lives. So I'd like to encourage you, behold God in His Word. In His Word, you will see the beauty of His faithfulness, His kindness, His mercy, and His grace towards you and His people. In your quiet time, I encourage you to do this. Um, Instead of singing a song first, first posture your heart in worship towards God. Invite His presence And as the Holy Spirit helps you become aware of His goodness and worth, you will respond in worship. Make your heart a dwelling place for God. And as worship um, becomes a response towards God's worth, the river of worship will flow through the songs and words you sing. So number one, we host the presence of God by worshipping Him. Number two, we are the temple of God and therefore we host His presence by keeping the temple of our lives holy. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 to 17. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroy God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Now, I just want to clarify that if anyone destroy God's temple, God will destroy him. Um, the context of this verse was that there was some uh, church disunity and God will destroy this person who tries to destroy the church, okay? So don't get, well, if I sin and God will destroy me, that's not what's happening here. Um, so that's what is happening in 1 Corinthians 3, chapter 16, uh, uh, 3, verses 16 to 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 to 17. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belier? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? 
for we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. And touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. We are the temple of God and there is a call on our lives to be clean and holy. We cannot host the presence of God if we are living in perpetual unrepentant sin. Now, I'm not saying that we have to live a perfect and sinless life. All of us, including Pastor Ben, would stumble and fall from time to time, right? Jesus, who is our, yeah, Jesus was our great high priest and also our perfect atoning sacrifice has made a way for all of us to be clean and acceptable before God. But if we continue in unrepentant sin, we treat the sacrifice of God with contempt and we no longer walk in holiness. There's no longer repentance in our lives. Now, repentance simply means a turning back, a turning away from sin back to God. We must be quick to repent and there needs to be sincerity in our repentance. I know this is not a new message. We have preached this until the cows come home, right? And some of you have tried all that you can, but you still find yourself stuck in sin. And the truth is, you cannot live a victorious life free from sin by yourself. Scripture exhorts us to not walk in the desires of our flesh. But it is not enough, I said again, it is not enough to just deny our sinful nature. Galatians 5 verse 16 tells us, So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We need to learn what it means to walk by the Spirit. We are not to walk by our devotion to holiness and righteousness. We're not to walk by our devotion towards holiness and righteousness. We are not to walk by our determination to be holy. We are to walk by the Spirit. You cannot do it. That is why you have to walk by the Spirit. Ezekiel 36 verse 26 and 27. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to, to keep my laws. This was the prophecy spoken by Ezekiel to a restored Israel under the new covenant. We are part of this new covenant now. And therefore, what was spoken in Ezekiel 36 is also spoken to us. God has given us His Spirit. Verse 27 tells us that His Spirit would move us to follow His decrees. The only way we live a victorious and holy life is when we learn to walk by the Spirit, when the Spirit empowers us to walk in holiness. I grew up in a Christian home and attended a traditional church until I was 14 years old. When I was 14, I attended a megalife camp and encountered the Holy Spirit um, for the first time in my life. And my life was completely changed. Um, there was a clear before and after. 
I was using vulgarities in every other sentence before the Holy Spirit encountered me. But after I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, there was a 180 degrees change in my life. I completely stopped using vulgarities. And there was also a complete and sudden change in my disposition. There was a desire and ability in me to walk in holiness and obedience that was previously not there. I share this to testify that when you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit and when the Holy Spirit has a hold on you, you will be empowered to do what you cannot do without Him. I will always remember the simple faith of an Indonesian church worker from Medan who told me, with Rokudus, with the Holy Spirit, all things become easy. All things become possible. But without Rokudus, without the Holy Spirit, everything becomes hard. Rely Church, we, I urge you um, to learn what it means to walk by the Spirit. We need the Spirit to live a holy and victorious life. Because we are the temple of God and to host His presence, there must be holiness and purity. Finally, we host the presence of God by seeking His face and not just His hand. Psalms 27 verse 4. Can I invite us to read this verse together? One, two, three. All the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. I want to focus on this last line, to inquire in His temple. Or in some versions it says to seek Him in His temple. To inquire in His temple simply means I come before God and I inquire of Him. The primary posture of inquiring is listening, not speaking. There is a sense that I am seeking God. I do not bring before God any agenda or request, but I come before God to inquire of Him, to seek Him and to listen. In inquiring of the Lord, the primary posture is listening, hearing from God. The context of this verse will help to draw out the significance of David's prayer. Let's look at two verses before verse 4, verse 2 and 3. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army encamps against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. When David prayed Psalms 27, one thing I ask of the Lord, this will I seek. When he prayed that, his life will be in danger. He was surrounded by enemies who wanted to kill him. And yet, in the midst of so many things that David could have asked God for, he asked God for this one thing, that he may dwell in the presence of God all the days of his life. And to do what? To behold the beauty, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple, to hear from the Lord. I believe David trusted God enough to take care of him such that he need not pray for God to deliver him or save his life. David knew that that was already in God's hand. 
Instead, David desired to be in communion with God, to seek Him and to find Him. This was David's prayer a few verses later in verse 8. My heart says of Him, says of you, seek His face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. If we are to be honest with ourselves, so much of our conversations with God revolves around asking His help in something we need. Help me in my workplace. Help me in my health. Help me in my finances. Help my children in their studies. These are not bad things to ask for. Philippians 4, 6-7 encourages us to place our request before God, right? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, offer your request to God. There is a place for that. But if the sum totality of our conversation with God is to only present our request to God, then it's no longer His face we seek, but His hand. If we were in David's position, our prayer might be this, one thing I ask of the Lord, this will I seek, that all my enemies will be removed from me and I will live in peace and prosperity all the days of my life. River Life Church, God is calling us to seek His face and not just His hand. Have we become a people that only come before God to seek His hand? Do we know what is on God's heart? Do we desire to know what He is thinking? Do we desire to commune with Him? Or is He the servant of our agenda rather than we servants of His agenda? Do we know what is the agenda for our lives? Do we know what is the agenda of God for our lives and for this church? River life, we need to learn how to put our requests aside and come before God with no other agenda other than to seek Him. God, create in us a desire to commune with you. I don't even want to know what is the right thing to do and, and, and you just tell me how to live my life rightly. Okay, I don't want to commune with you. Live, tell me how to live my life rightly. I live the good Christian life but not in communion with you. Have we become people like that? Or have we become people that know how to ask God for things, but, but no longer know how to sit in His presence and commune with Him? You know, it would be such a tragedy if the way we host God's presence is to keep asking Him for more things. Which God would want to dwell like that? Have we become people that only seek His hand, but we do not know how to seek His face? We do not know how to be in relationship with Him. You know, I keep coming back to this thing called relationship. I know it's not easy for us, but it really comes back to this. When you sort out your relationship with God, everything is taken care of. We need to learn how to seek God's face. One thing I ask of the Lord, this will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. God, we desire to seek You. God, we desire to be in Your presence. That is our heart's prayer. So God, so, so we host the presence of God when we seek His face and not His hand. 
can invite us to close our eyes in prayer as we prepare ourselves to respond to God's word. I ask that we respect this moment. It's not, the Bible says this, do not just hear and walk away, but hear and obey. The obeying part, the responding part of the sermon is as important as the hearing part of the sermon. So don't just hear and leave, but allow yourself, so this is not the break before we go back, allow yourself to respond to God's word. Yeah, let's all come before God. This is God's century. Your life is God's century. This is what's being spoken in God's word. Today, I'd like to open the altar for us to respond to God's word. You have heard that God desires to dwell with us. You have heard that there is a call on you, on each of you, to host the presence of God. Every one of us is the temple of God and it is your calling and privilege to host God's presence. We have given three ways to host God's presence. To worship Him, to keep your life holy and clean, and to seek His face. Today, I want to give a call to this. Would you make your life a dwelling place for God? Would you allow your life to be a temple of God? Would you give value to hosting the presence of God in your lives and in this church? Church, would you long for the presence of God once again? Remember, we're not going after a sensation. We are longing for a person. We are desiring relationship and that's why we want to be in His presence. If that is you, I want to invite you to come to the altar and say, God, I want to make my life a dwelling place. I want to learn what it means to host you. I want to learn what it means to minister to you, to keep my life pure and to seek your face. Can I invite us to stand up? When I ask you to come to the front, it is an expression of surrender. It's not so much that there's something magical about this front, but it's the declaration, it is your public declaration to the world that this is my desire and I'm taking this stand today. So as I invite you to come to the front, if you desire to make your life a dwelling place for God, as Simon leads us in this song, um, I'll I'd like to ask you to come to the front and I'd like the ministry team workers um, if you feel it's appropriate to pray over each and every one of us that from today onwards every one of us will experience a greater measure of God's presence in our daily lives and in our quiet time. So as Simin leads us in this song I invite you to come to the front. Let's do that. God make my life a dwelling place. I don't want to worship from afar Drawing closer to you Is my only desire You're the one that I've been longing for Let me dwell in your presence To worship and adore 
second group of people if you, des- if you have never experienced the presence of God in your life before uh, or if you desire to experience His presence in a greater measure as we continue singing this worship song again I also like to invite you to come to the front right? let's make this altar a place where uh, different ones of us can encounter the person of Christ yeah so even as Mary leads us again So if you desire to experience the presence of God more, I invite you to come to the front as well. Show me your face. Show me your face, oh Lord. Make my heart pure as gold. Standing in awe of you. Your love is surrounded. Stay right here with you. 
show me your face show me your face oh surrounds me forever show me your face oh Lord I want to know you more I want to stay right here with you can invite all of us to uh, raise our hands as we come before God in prayer. God, we say this is our desire to be a resting place for you. God, this is our prayer to make our lives your dwelling place. God, I pray from this day on, Holy Spirit, you will teach us what it means to host your presence, what it means to be in continuous fellowship with you, the Apostle Paul says um, that we will pray without ceasing and a part of what that means is to be in constant fellowship and communion with you. And so God, I pray for River Life Church that we would be more than a synagogue, that we would also be a temple where we have learned to host your presence well. Lord, that in your temple, Lord, we learn to worship and minister to you. And having recognized that we are your temple, we will learn what it means to keep our lives pure and holy, fully set apart for you because the temple of God is sacred and only um, the holy God can dwell in His, in His temple. So God, we want to make our lives pure and holy. And lastly, we pray, Lord, that in coming before you, we will learn not to just present our requests before you, but we will learn what it means to seek your face. Lord, you have something to tell us. You have, you have something you desire to share with us. And so, Lord, we say, here we are. Your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. Lord, make our life a dwelling place for you. Lord, make our lives a dwelling place for you. Thank you, Lord. You are gracious to us. Let's just linger in the presence of God for a few moments. I ask that you would commune and fellowship with God. Yeah, why don't we do that? Instead of asking God for something, why don't you say, God, I am an open book. For once, God, speak to me. I am listening. What are you saying? What, desi what do you desire to tell me? I put my agenda aside. I put my anxiousness aside, though enemies might encamp around me and the pressures of life surround me. Still, this is my prayer. One thing I ask of the Lord, this do I seek, that I might dwell in your presence, that I might be in fellowship with you, to gaze upon your beauty, not so much my problems, but to gaze upon you and to inquire in your temple, what are you saying, Lord? Lord, speak to us.
Yeah, I just feel like we should linger for a few moments. We still have time. Let's linger for a few moments. Let's respect these moments. Let's host the presence of God in this place together as a church, shall we? Lord, we welcome you in our midst. You are here. We honour you, we worship you. Lord, we love you. Lord, we fellowship with you. Lord, we commune with you. Lord, we host you. You are the most important person in this century. Abba Father, we love you. Come be with us. Lord, we draw close to you. Father, draw close to us. We love you, Lord. Lord, give our hearts, help our hearts have value for you, have value for being in relationship with you, communing with you. Oh Lord, you are lovely. Abba Father, we come before you as your children. Love on us, Lord. Thank you for listening to the River Life Podcast. We hope that you've encountered Jesus through the Word. If you'd like to connect with community or find out more about River Life Church, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or head on over to riverlife.org.sg. God bless and have a great week ahead.